Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Our weekly visit with a member of the Coyotes front office here on the Burns and Gambo show. And given everything going on between the city of Tempe, the city of Phoenix, and the Coyotes, we thought it very appropriate to get the perspective of the Coyotes president and CEO, Javier Gutierrez, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show for our weekly visit with the Coyotes in their front office. Javier, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great. Always great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Love to, uh, love to have you on, Javier. Let's talk about uh, the vote that's coming up. I, we've been seeing a lot of things from Tempe wins. As a matter of fact, on our news station, uh, you just had the, uh, the uh, uh, Mayor Woods reiterated his support of the project, said uh, gave the reasons why he's going to vote yes, why he voted yes before, why he's going to vote yes again. So uh, we've talked about this before. Let's talk about it again. A lot of support behind this project right now. Absolutely. Incredibly broad support. And you just mentioned Mayor Woods, who called this the best sports deal in the history of Arizona. Uh, That evening when we got 7-0 unanimous approval by the Tempe City Council. And now this is what you're seeing. You're seeing incredibly broad support from business leaders, from union leaders, uh, from, from civic leaders, from nonprofits. The previous four mayors of Tempe have all come out uh, in support of this. And so it is absolutely the right project, the right deal, and we're the right team to execute on it. And we just want Tempe voters to vote yes on Propositions 301, 302, and 303. And we're going to bring jobs. We're going to bring revenue. We're going to clean up a city-owned landfill and environmental hazards. And Tempe taxpayers aren't going to pay for it. And that's why Mayor Woods has voted for it previously and will continue to vote for it. And we're excited to get that message out and see the support from the Tempe community. All right, Javier, obviously the the news, if you will, regarding this vote upcoming is the lawsuit, the the kind of dueling lawsuits that we've seen now over the last week or so. We had you on last week to talk about the lawsuit from the city of Phoenix suing Tempe for the development. Uh, the, The Coyotes and your kind of development arm, if you will, the development firm Bluebird Development, announced a $2.3 billion claim against the city of Phoenix. Tell me what kind of was the motivation for doing that and doing that now. What was the reason why, Javier? Well, listen, we took their word for it. We saw their CEO, Sky Harbor, get out in front of that public hearing before the Tempe City Council and say, we are no longer going to oppose this project. And they actually made further public statements around that. And we believe them. And and now they're reneging on their word. And obviously what you saw previously was a lawsuit between Phoenix suing Tempe for restricting future residential development and asking Tempe to agree to all of the expansion efforts in the airport, even though the details haven't been uh, laid out yet. And if not, they want the Tempe City Council to undo, undo a zoning decision that impacts our project. And we just weren't going to stand for Tempe yet again, getting bullied by Phoenix. We stand with the city of Tempe. We stand with the voters of Tempe to push back. You saw this before. 
You saw this when the Cardinals wanted to stay here in Tempe, and this is Sky Harbor and the city of Phoenix just bullying Tempe again, and we're just not going to stand for that. So even if you do not care about the arena, the Tempe Entertainment District, we know that Tempe and Tempe residents do not want to be bullied by Phoenix, and we just couldn't stand by. And we sued, and we put in, rather, a notice of claim to enter the lawsuit, and we believe the damages are the entitlement value of the entire project at $2.3 billion. We've asked the judge to dismiss the original lawsuit between Phoenix and Tempe, and we're also asking for a bunch of communication uh, between property owners and, and business owners in that same proximity to the airport, but just in the uh, Phoenix city limits, to understand exactly what was behind this. And I think Phoenix taxpayers need to ask, who authorized these lawsuits? Who is behind this, and what's their motivation? Javier Gutierrez, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The ballots go out in a matter of days. The vote is in May 16th. Uh, not a lawyer here, but I can only imagine that it's going to be some while before these dueling lawsuits can be resolved. So what what is your hope for these lawsuits as it relates to the vote, in terms of how it impacts the vote, if at all? Because it seems unlikely legal resolution would come before the votes are due, correct? Absolutely. Well, let, let's be very clear. These lawsuits are not going to stop this vote. This vote is going to happen. We're asking, again, voters to say yes on Propositions 301, 302, and 303, voters of Tempe. So the vote is going to continue. It's going to be a mail-in special election. Ballots are going to be mailed out to Tempe registered voters on April 19th. And you have to have them back in to the county recorder's office by May 16th. And so that's going to happen. But in addition, and this has been our position, we already have the approval of the Tempe Council for our development agreement for our zoning and for our entitlements and once voters approve to ratify that approval you can't just take that contract away from us and the city of phoenix and sky harbor they know that they know that a judge is not going to be able to undo it that's called a taking and the approval has already been made and once the voters have their say it'll ratify that so for us that's why we've asked the judge to dismiss that that lawsuit between Phoenix and Tempe, and we're moving forward. It's not going to stop the vote. It's not going to stop our project, and all we're asking for now is, again, Tempe voters to say yes to Propositions 301, 302, and 303. Yeah, I've read all the information on, on the lawsuit, Javier. I'm curious, what do you think the motivations are for Phoenix? We've read about the noise and certain amount of people that would be living in like a residential-type area with the noise, but what other motivations do you think Phoenix Phoenix has to stop this project. You know, it's political leverage on the city of Tempe, and it's a distraction. They want to distract from the actual, you know, uh, possibility that Tempe is going to have this landmark there. We are now going to build the first privately funded sports and entertainment district in the history of Arizona. And unlike any of the venues that sit in the city limits of Phoenix, uh, any of the entertainment and sports venues, those were paid by taxpayers. Those were renovated by taxpayers. 
taxpayer dollars. And those venues never pay property taxes ever in perpetuity to the city of Phoenix and to the other municipalities. And I think they want to distract from that. And, you know, uh, there have been talks that perhaps there are also business owners of some of those uh, venues that also do not want the competition that this landmark, because it's not just a sports arena. You're talking about hotels. You're talking about live events venue. You're talking about a practice facility that'll be a community ice rink. You're talking about a entire paseo, fine dining and fine shopping, which, by the way, this valley needs and deserves. It's the fifth largest city in America. It's the fastest growing county in America. So it absolutely merits being here. And we're happy to put our money where our mouth is to make it happen. And maybe that's why the city of Phoenix does not want to see that happen. All right. Well, obviously, a lot of moving parts with this one. But at the end of the day, the ballots go out very soon. The election is coming up on May 16th. Javier, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on to talk about the lawsuit a little bit. We will talk to you very, very soon. All right. Burns Gambo, always great to talk to you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Javier. Javier Gutierrez, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show on our weekly visits with a Coyotes, member of the Coyotes front office. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620. Submit a video, a thank you, Al, message. We might even play it on the air. Text the word Al to 620-620. He is one of the faces of the future of this Diamondbacks franchise. Heck, he is the face of the future of this Diamondbacks franchise. He is Corbin Carroll, and he'll join us next on Burns and Gambo. Backs return to the Valley, hosting the Dodgers for their first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs home opener coverage with Burns and Gambo, live at Chase Field. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Pop on those microphones, if you would, guys. Just explaining to our next guest the, the, the role of the driver, the yeah. role of... Uh, he's getting ready because, you know, down the road he may want to take one of our jobs. You don't have anything to worry about for the next eight years. No, no. But eventually, you might want to be a talk show host. And even then, he might not worry about it. Corbin Carroll, uh, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this opening day as we are live wow. from the field here at Chase Field. Welcome. We appreciate you coming by and seeing us. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. absolutely. Thanks for opening the roof for us. I mean, you came and all of a sudden the roof's getting opened. Not bad. No, not at all. You, all right. You didn't have anything to do with that? <laughs> Probably not. Go ahead, Gambo. All right, first off, I mean, the last time we spoke with you, we talked about do you want to be here long-term and stuff like that, and you kind of put it off a little bit. You got the eight-year deal done, so I first want to say congratulations. I think that's awesome. We had Evan Longoria on the show the other day, and he talked about what it meant for him to sign his deal at such a young age, and he talked about you and getting it done. So just congratulations. That has to feel really good to get that contract. You earned it. Yeah, thank you. I, I definitely had to play a little bit of a sly guy, right? Like, yeah. Couldn't give it all away. But, so you knew, it was, you knew it was in the works. That at yeah, that time. I mean, I, I, I wanted to get something done. You know, I, I wanted to be here. Um, you know, I, I've loved Phoenix and, and every second of this organization. And so, you know, when they approached me with this, uh, you know, I definitely went into it with a with a pretty open mind. So Evan told us, he goes, it was such a good deal for me because not only did it give me generational wealth, but I didn't have to worry about anything anymore. I could just go play baseball. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about anything. I mean, it helped me relax because I didn't have to worry about my next contract and free agency or if was I going to get sent down. So he thinks it really benefited him as a player early in his years with Tampa. Would you agree with that for you? Yeah, I, I could definitely agree. You know, all, all sorts of stuff went into this thought process, but, um, you know, those were all definitely pieces of it. Um, 
you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm really You're happy just happy. done. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, and I, I mean, I would imagine part of that thought process, too, is, is you're, you're weighing risk-reward, right? Like, we all do that anytime we have a big decision to make, and, and you're thinking, okay, the reward is obviously the financial gain. The risk is, am I costing myself future financial gain, right? How much did you contemplate kind of the big, big, big picture when you're doing something like that? You know, try to consider it from every angle. Um, and, and, you know, if you really want to gain it into it, right, like I'd be, uh, you know, a free agent after age 28 year. Um, you know, that's not the most common thing in, in baseball. Um, and so, you know, there, there was definitely, you know, a, a price that had to be paid in order to uh, kind of, you know, gather some of this, this certainty, right, financial certainty. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of just a, a game of matching up where that made sense for both sides. One thing that we heard in the aftermath of the deal was your teammates and the management and people in the organization coming out and saying, look, this it's not going to change him. This is what he's about. This is who he is. When you hear stuff like that, I mean, I'm sure it feels good, but, but for you, when you get a big deal like that, I can't imagine you want it to change anything about you and how you approach the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about it before, but kind of just the way I view it, right, you know, it, it, it doesn't change a lot of me, um, a lot for me in terms of my process. You know, I'm, I'm still a first-year player. I've still got, you know, many obstacles and, and um, have, you know, moments to learn from and, and, and grow through. And um, But at the same time, kind of that's that's the stuff I look forward to, right? Like, um, you know, I, I look forward to those challenges and those tough times um, because I think that's what, what brings out my best. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the team. Three and three start on the road in L.A. and San Diego. Guys, places where you guys have struggled in the past. you got to feel pretty good about that start, no? Yeah, the, you know, those are two good teams, right? And I think that, you know, we had an opportunity to, to win more games. Um, you know, uh, um, you guys had the lead in the ninth and one. You lost one. You could have came back four and two. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I think that just maybe not from the perspective of like, oh, you know, we should have won that game, but, but more like um, – just like you know, we, we can we really played good baseball in, in in four of those those six games, right? And and we're really in it. Um, so more from that perspective, I meant. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think just um, you know th- those are good teams. You got to give a lot of credit to them. Um, and at the same time, we're like, hey, we can, we can play some baseball too. You've had you've had games with three hits so far this year. You had a three a three hit game. You had a three stolen base game. The difference between stealing second and third for you, because you swiped third in one of those games. You had the second. You stole second and third how much different is it for you stealing second compared to stealing third um just the, the times change a little bit in terms of what you need from the pitcher in order to uh you know feel pretty good about going and getting the guy um you know we're very fortunate uh, you know i've talked about it many times about uh you know dave Paquet, but i'll take another opportunity to talk about sure. him um you know just the, the job that he does in, in terms of preparing us before the game and and during the game um for you know opportunities um, you know, it just it, it, it makes it so much easier um, to, to go out there and, and, and go get a guy and feel good about it. We've talked, Corbin Carroll, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, we've, we've obviously talked a lot about the way you guys have played these six games so far. It's it's different. It's a throwback. It's, it's somewhat unique, but it's also you guys playing to your strengths and the new rules. Did you kind of have a feeling all along when you were playing it sort of safe and conservative in spring training, not showing a lot of your hand with how you were going to play, that you were sitting a little bit on kind of a powder keg of style, that you that you knew that you were going to unleash this on baseball because it is very throwback the way you guys are playing. 
Yeah, I, I think more than anything, we're just we're trying to play the game, right? And we're going to take, you know, whatever the, t- the other team gives us. Um, you know, and at times we'll try and, you know, of course force force the hand and, and put some pressure on the other team. But I think more than anything, we're just trying to play smart baseball and take what the team gives us. I, my kid plays club baseball. His kid played vice baseball in college. It's fun to see it every single weekend. You see the runner on first, runner on third, breaks for second, try to get the catcher to throw. Sometimes the catcher throws it to the pitcher. Sometimes he throws it to the shortstop. Sometimes he fakes it. And you try to get that run from third home. Maybe the guy at first will try to get in a pickle. You guys pulling off that double steal the other day. I mean, it was a talk of baseball for a little while. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's the brand of baseball you play. But watching that and seeing that happen and the pressure you guys put on teams like that, I mean, that's got to be pretty exciting just to watch a play like that happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, to be completely honest, I didn't actually know that it was, you know, that rare. Um, but it was, it was really cool to see, you know, that everyone was, was kind of fired up by that and, um, and, and liked that. And what an unbelievable slide by Roe, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. But it's, it's almost like with the speed that you guys have, it's got to be such a, per- like, it's got to be such a perfect play. The catcher throws it the second. He's got to quickly turn, spin, throw it. It's got to be a good throw to the catcher. He's got to make a good tag. Anything not like that, and you guys are going to score that run. It's, you're almost putting, making the defense have to be perfect on a play to get you guys out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, the more the more pressure we can put on other teams, the better. Can I ask you about two things real quick before we let you go? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, number one, we had you on during spring training the same day we also had Alec Thomas on. Um, he talked about the face that you make when you're running the bases. Do you have any response to that at all? Did, 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 was that was there was there any conversation in the clubhouse about that when that got uh, publicized? The, the, because we, we all got a good chuckle about it, but it was we, we hate that it was at your expense. Did you have any words with him about that at all, Corbin? Uh, yeah, possibly. You know, you know, you got, but uh, no, all good. Uh, it was all good. Yeah, yeah. But 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 words, not bad words necessarily, but words were exchanged maybe over the face that you that you make when you're running the bases? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Is it accurate? Uh, I mean, you, get, you guys you guys can see it just as well as me, so I'll let you... I've got the, I got the comeback. I'd be like, well, you know, you have to get on base to actually make a face oh, like that when you're ouch. running around the bases, ouch. Alec. Wow. That's a, oh, that's a good one. And then the second thing, I was just alerted by our producer. This is so cool. Your parents dropped you off today at the ballpark. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's, I got a tweet here from the Diamondbacks. There's your... your that's, that's awesome. Your parents just, hey, go have a good day at work, hon. See you later. Right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I I guess I'll burst that bu- bubble a little bit. I you know they just got in from the airport, so I uh, I went and picked them up, and oh. you know, they, they needed the car. So oh, okay, it, it really does have this sweet sort of kind of you know we're mm. dropping dropping our baby boy off at work kind of thing. But yeah, for have, sure. you, have you not seen? I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, before, I, right? I just saw it. They. Uh, you know, they wanted me to give the okay on it. I was like, all right, hey, you guys, you guys do what you need to do. All right. I'm hey, sorry. don't feel bad. His mother dropped him off for work today. Oh, she was the ballpark. Today, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. I've got to drive him for... home. Yeah. So, but his yeah, mother dropped him off. It's, it's the truth. All right. Uh, thank you for playing along with us. We appreciate it. Enjoy opening day here at the ballpark. And congrats on not only the contract, but the great start to the season. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. You've got it. Corbin Carroll joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, it wouldn't be opening day. If we weren't talking to the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, he will join us next here on Burns and Gambo. 
D-backs return to the Valley hosting the Dodgers for their first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs home opener coverage with Burns and Gambo live at Chase Field. Live on the field at Chase Field for the Diamondbacks home opener as they take on the L.A. Dodgers tonight. 7-10 first pitch. We're all looking forward to it, especially with the start the Diamondbacks are off to getting that split on the road against L.A. and San Diego. Great split. Joining us right now, the president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our good friend Derek Hall here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Good to see you, Derek. Burns, good to see you, Gambo. Always great to have you guys here. We love being here. We've been to every... We were talking about this as we were walking in. Outside the pandemic year, we we have both been to every single opening day in this ballpark. So good. And, and you know what? This is like the first real opening day because we had those two pandemic years. You had limited crowds. Then we had the, the collective bargaining mess. Here we are, and baseball feels like it's back with the WBC, with our spring training, with the start of the season. It's like turn the page, move on. We're finally in a, in a really good spot. I would even say not only is baseball back, it feels reinvented a little bit. Oh, you know, it, it feels like, a, like baseball got a really much much-needed fresh coat of paint. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we finally put all those new rules into effect, and it helps a team like ours. Again, there's so much enthusiasm to have almost 1.7 million fans here for spring training games, for us to have had the second-best attendance behind the Cubs. You know, it, it, it was a great feeling. 250,000 fans here for World Baseball Classic, $100 million of economic impact. We didn't even expect to really happen. And it felt to me like before the 91-92 strike again, it just feels like we got to take that momentum and, and and bring it forward into this season. All right, you've you've had some lean years where you probably had to come on and say we're excited and 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 it was, so you did. <laughs> no, but I I'm always honest with you. You know, I'll tell you like, hey, yeah, you know, Wait, we're, you we're building. Me? Are we're you building. calling me a liar, Gambo? Yeah. What are you calling me? A liar? What are you doing? Doesn't this year feel so much different? Doesn't it feel like you guys can truly complete compete for a wild card spot and that you're maybe only a year or two away from being a contender again? That, that's the question, though, Gambo. Are we a year? away. Is it this year? I'm not sure. You know, But the competition is so good. The Dodgers and the Padres, of course. The Giants got better. You go to the Central Division, you've got the Brewers playing lights out. The Cardinals are always tough. The Cubs improved. You go to the East and the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies. It's going to be tough to get one of those spots, but I feel like these guys are at a different level. They're a different brand of baseball, and they have a lot of confidence in them. So they're locked in, and I, I, and I do. I agree with you. I feel, I feel the difference. I think, and I, I said this to Burns earlier, and I'm just looking at the, some of the numbers here. The three youngest teams in baseball are killing it with stolen bases. The Orioles, Rays, and Guardians, the three youngest teams, 12-4 and four start, 22 stolen bases, and 23 tries. I think in some way, like the three-pointer in basketball can equalize some things. The, young, the youth and the speed on the base paths can really help combat some of the you know, older talent on other teams and money that other teams are spending. I do. I think your ability – we had Corbin Carroll on list. He stole second. He stole third. I you guys had a double steal that I felt like I was watching a club baseball game. I mean, I think that could be an equalizer for you guys. It definitely can, and you can get in between the ears of the opposition. And I think we did to a certain extent, right, with a very talented veteran team. But but we also saw that at the end of last year. And now, it, towards the end of this road trip, we started playing that way again. 
and we put a lot of pressure and a lot of uncertainty in the minds and, and the hearts of the other team. But we, we have to keep keep going in that direction. That's the character of this team. That's the style of this team. And I, I love to watch it. And it's exciting for our fans, and our fans have been really excited to see this team come up. Now, what I will say, Gambo, is for like four or five years, I kept telling the fans, trust us. You know, we've got a really good farm system. The prospects are coming. And if you're a fan, you're saying, yeah, I've heard that before, right? Sure. I'll believe it when I see it. And I think now they, they know. They saw it last year. They like this team. And we still have so much depth and prospects coming. Two of your shop guys aren't even here. Yeah. And yeah. Brandon Fat is going to be great. Yeah, oh, he, is. he was he including is. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with Lawler and Drew. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's an exciting bunch that we have not even up here yet. Derek Hall joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Okay, quick personal story, and I think you're going to see where I'm going with this. My wife and I were watching one of the Dodgers games, and she was taking note of the seats behind home play at Dodger Stadium. And she's like, they look like they're sitting first class in an airline somewhere, right? Like, they look so wide, and they look so comfortable. And I said, honey, that's kind of what we're talking about with the stadium, that's right? That's that's what we're talking about with whether they stay or whether they get a new stadium. It's That's one little sliver of kind of the bigger picture for what you're looking for. So I, I heard you on with our morning show um, a week ago, and you said a couple months and we'll know. Is that kind of your operating timeline for whether you're staying or whether you're going to build something new here in town? Are you still looking at about a two-month timeline? Yeah, that? That, that's my preference, Bernsey. I, I, I'm to the point where we need to know. You know, I mean, our, our lease is up in 27, and we're going to have to schedule this thing out. Like, if we were to stay here, to do the kind of work we have to do over, say, a three-year, maybe four-year period, it's going to be challenging because we have all our concerts, our non-baseball events, our, our bowl games, and we're going to want to continue doing those. So, yeah, I, the sooner that I know, the better, because we're going to put hundreds of millions of our own dollars into this ballpark, and I'm, I'm excited to get started. Whether it's here or a new ballpark, we've got to get going. If you do stay here, how much of an inspiration, and maybe that's the wrong word, but how much of an inspiration is Footprint Center and how the oh, Suns yeah. reinvented? Because, I mean, we've been going to games there since they opened it. It is like a brand new building there, and I know it's not, but how much of an inspiration is what they did there in, as it relates to renovations and what you could do here? A t- total inspiration. My hat goes off to them. The, the arena looks great, and it did change the feel. It really did. And, and that was in partnership with the city, who did a terrific job. And so we're talking to the county, to the city, figure out what works. Is there a way for us to incorporate mixed use around the ballpark, too, which is very important to us, to make sure that you can have retail, you can have restaurants, hotels. We want to activate this place 350, 365 even, and you know, you, you think about downtown needs to be, I, I think it could be reimagined, uh, reimagined as well. I mean, a lot of it, because you've seen west of us just how good it looks, right? Now let's get the rest of downtown in that same reimagination, that, that, that new look, and I'm with you 100%. The arena really, really excited me. All right, 38,500, 41,000. I don't want to go any more than that on on a, on a ballpark so, seating. What do you think? If there's a, well, if you have a new ballpark, I'd say exactly that, 35 to 38 probably, and have it really intimate. The, How great is that? It's it's awesome. Like this place, I, I love this place, but 50, it's you know, too 50, big. it's too big. It's it is. Too big. It's cavernous, and you want to make sure you have more of an intimate feel. A night like tonight where we're going to be sold out, and we're very close to selling out, that's when you go, hey, thank goodness we have 50,000 seats, or you're in the postseason. But, you know, you're playing a team on a Tuesday, and you have 18,000 fans here, eh, you know, you'd like like it to be a little more intimate. But there's nothing, if you do stay, and again, I'm referencing a conversation you had during Newsmakers Week, if you do stay, 
you're never really going to be able to lose the cavernous feeling, right? right. There's only so much you can do with yeah. up there, yeah. right? You can modernize it. You can certainly eliminate some seats because you're going to create new fan areas, maybe premium, maybe standing room only. Um, a lot of the amenities and offerings you see in newer ballparks, we can bring here. But I think most of what's going to happen will be, like you had mentioned, Bernsey, what would we do with the seats from, from dugout to dugout? How much larger would they be? What would that do with capacity? How can we build new clubs underneath? Those are the types of things that we're really going to have to focus on. In addition to, right away, a new video board, believe it or not. We need it. New LED boards, new sound system, new LED lights. You see the lights, like in L.A., you know, they had some issues, but we need those new lights. Can you, you guys have some of the best ticket prices in all of baseball? We do. Okay, can you, with a new stadium, can you keep it that way? Because a lot of fans like that. I know. We're always going to challenge ourselves to be one of the most affordable in baseball, so yes. And and then with that whole theme park district districting that, that was passed, what, two, three years ago, it allows us to tax our fans to collect new revenues that we can pay service our debt with. But you got to be careful doing that, right? I don't want to tax our, our fans. Those are our fans. It's baseball use. So we, we need to find a balance to make sure that we're not going to gouge our fans because they're used to not getting gouged. Uh, I, 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 but I truly believe that. I, I was I was showing Bernsey where we're sitting today. Chelsea's coming. The kids. We're gonna. You know, we. Got, I, bought, I bought four seats. Is she throwing BP first, or is she just coming to the she game? W- no, she wants wow, to be the Garrett coach. Hall right? revealing. He listens to the show. I do. Oh, of course, good. I do. Yeah, is she throwing BP first? Well, <laughs> well no. Remember, we were talking about just... who would throw BP better. You oh, or her? Right? Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. You listen better that's than right. he does, and he's a host that's of the right. show for the love of all that's good. Chelsea thinks she could be a hitting coach. She sits there and she like adjusts my kids' swing, and she goes out in the backyard with them when he's hitting off the tee, and you've got to do this. You've got to load earlier. Like she really thinks she could be a hitting coach. She's like, you, you got to load earlier. You got to load it. a little bit earlier. Fantastic. But, but, I, but I got you off of your, your ticket price. I know. Yeah. I, yeah, but she. No, but my, my, my ticket price. Uh, we got four seats that we bought. Right, you know, right behind home plate, about twenty something rows up, and it, like it's really affordable. Very affordable. And that's opening day. You would think that opening with day. the dynamic pricing it would be outrageous. Yeah. No, no, no. In baseball, you know, you have so many games. You got eighty-one home games. If you want fans to come every game, you can't price them too high. Yeah. All right. Well, um, good luck with opening day. Thank you, you know, guys. Yeah, I, and I, what do you know? We have uh, eight know, of our first ten against the Dodgers. The other two are, are the Padres, but that's all right. You know, let's see how we're hey, see how we're way, looking. Hung so far, everything's yeah. fine. Right? Yeah, yeah. We didn't even play. I don't think we played great baseball on that road trip, and we found a way to scratch and claw five hundred. I'll take it. You coming back here after six? If we're three and three, three, three yeah. and three against those two teams, you really struggled against. Beautiful. By the way, my wife's just pulling into the garage now. She's probably listening. She's going to now say, "Oh, I get to throw BP." So that's on you. <laughs> All right? That is she on comes me. up to me in about five minutes. That is on me. No, when Chelsea yeah. comes on the field and starts talking to your professional hitters about, oh, you're not loading soon enough. I know. you got a more weight on your back little, leg. Yes. you got to load a little Not earlier. only that, exactly. i got to get her a radar gun and a notepad. I'm doing that <laughs> yeah, tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. She'll love it. Uh, Derek, thanks for stopping Thank by. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk to you, I know, Preach. several times. Of course. Yeah, All thanks right. for being here. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back. Former Cardinals general manager Steve Keim was on a podcast. A lot of stuff coming out about that in particular on what it would be like trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins. His response was interesting. And we'll play it next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
All right, real quick, before we uh, talk about Steve Kimes' comments today on Chris Long's podcast, which uh, I know a lot of Cardinal fans have been talking about on social media today, let's pass this along real quick from the Nuggets across the way. The Nuggets are now saying that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are out for tonight's game. They will not play. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Michael Porter Jr. are still listed as questionable for tonight's game. So at least... So back to Kiki Vandaway. Yeah, and Dan- Dan Issel and uh, Fat Lever, Fat Lever and George McLeod. What's yes, Nene yes. up to? Yeah, what's Nene up to? Is he available? Yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be another one of those games. McDice, it, he's got a few games left in him. And then, and then we'll see how the Suns respond. I, I, I still suspect they're going to play their guys tonight, but I think tonight could be the last night we see their guys on anything even resembling full minutes. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing. I, I don't know. But given that their next game is the second night of a back-to-back tomorrow, and then their third game. Sunday against the Clippers might have zero meaning at all. Um, I think it's possible tonight will be the last night we see a really full dose of the Suns before the playoffs start. We'll see. Okay. I don't know. So I'm a big schedules matters, guys, right? Yes, you I'm are. a big schedule matter. The first three games, Chicago, Charlotte, and Dallas. I mean, a little bit the Dallas game, a little bit. Mm-hmm. What meaningful games have they played with Durant? Because these teams aren't playing anybody. Um, Has there been a meaningful game? In the moment, Minnesota felt meaningful. Okay. I'm just asking. Okay, yeah. That that one, it's it's a really good question. Schedules matter when teams are playing to beat you and you're playing a good team. Yeah. These teams, like the last time you played Denver, they didn't play anybody. Yeah. I would say... Minnesota, if I'm ranking them, Minnesota 1, Dallas 2, OKC 3. Okay. Right? Utah sat a bunch of... Philly? Harden didn't play. Harden didn't play. And that was before... Utah sat guys. Denver sat guys. Well, you didn't have KD for Philly, did you? No, you didn't have you, KD you, did, you didn't Philly. even have him for that game. So, yeah, I, it, yeah there haven't been many. But, but, but the, here's the problem with that. You're not going to get one tonight. If you wanted one, you could have it tomorrow against the Lakers. Like, if, But is that worth it? Is it worth it to play on the second night of a back Nothing's worth it anymore. Just the playoffs. Nothing, none of, these games don't matter. Yeah. You're the four seed. It but, doesn't matter. But your point is a very good one. We really haven't seen the tested. Suns tested. We nope. haven't. Against competition that was elite and needed to win. We haven't, and we're not I, We're not going to get it. Chances are we're not, and, and does that give us pause going into the playoffs? Not me, but I can understand why somebody might look at it and go, yeah, but who have they played? Schedules matter. When did they really need to be at their best to beat one of the best in the NBA? It's a great the, point. I don't know. The, be- the game, it might be Oklahoma City, because Oklahoma City had... You know, they had their guys. They had Che Gilgis-Alexander in that game. And they had, uh, you know, both Williams played in those games. And Giddy played. And Dort played. And, you know, you might look at that. You might look at that game against Oklahoma City, but Oklahoma City's a below 500 basketball yeah. team. I, I, I'm going to stick with Minnesota. They were, at the time, they had won three straight games. They were yeah. kind of making a push in the Western Conference. They were playing with a lot of confidence. I, I think that's the one 
that, that rises above the rest yeah, the, of me. The point is there just hasn't been a lot of good, challenging games you know, with Kevin Durant in the lineup for the Phoenix Suns. No. Whether it matters or not, I don't know, but they haven't had them. All right, so Steve Keim today was a guest on the Green Light podcast with Chris Long. Um, I wish I could say I listened to it in its entirety. I just didn't get a chance today. I think I'm going to listen to it on my way home from the ballpark tonight. But fortunately, we've got a great producer like Mitch back at the studio who did listen to it and brought us the very best of it. In this segment, we're going to focus in particular on what Steve Keim had to say about DeAndre Hopkins and why trading DeAndre Hopkins is complicated. Here's the former GM of the Cardinals. Teams are going to have to be, number one, they're going to have to be creative. And I'm guessing the Cardinals are going to have to figure it out from the standpoint that a player of that magnitude, number one, I think he's 33 years old. Two, the contract. And you think to yourself, he's been hurt the last couple years. So they're probably going to have to come to understand that they're probably not going to get as much as they they would if he was a younger player or his contract was was considerably lower. All right, here's one more from Steve when it comes to this on on what you know, lowering their expectations a little bit. May end up being a, you know, a second or third day draft pick. Yeah. To really get it done, yeah. and that, because that team is going to have to take it on and understand how they're going to be able to probably get a new deal done. Um, and I negotiated with Hop. Hop was his own agent. I can tell you that's not the easiest thing in the world. Between him and Larry Fitzgerald, that's the guys that put all this gray on my beard. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Look, he traded for Hop. And at the time that he traded for him, you know, this it, it, it was a great trade. We loved the trade and it made a lot of sense. And I couldn't believe it. It seemed like it was highway robbery. And now, you know, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, too. Is like, boy, I mean, it really didn't, you know, it, it looked it was a great trade. But what did it really amount to for the for the Cardinals? I mean, it didn't win a whole lot of games. He got suspended for six games. His injuries missed some. He didn't even play in the one playoff game that they got to and lost. So, you know, in the grand scheme, things once you trade him and, and you're gone the interesting thing is that you know that steve said is just the the, the the compensation is fascinating that you know that because of the salary because of the age because of those things you may not be able to get what you think you could get for him which me and you are both baffled by i'm i'm i continue to be baffled by it just because it seems to me that there would be a team a good team in this league who would look at deandre hopkins and say he's the missing piece he's what we need. He's what we require to win a Super Bowl. And yeah, I guess specifically, I'm talking about like the Buffalo Bills, okay, who haven't won one and who need to win one, who desperately need to win one. Right. And I would think a team like that would be, I I guess in some weird way, I applaud them for sticking to their guns and not overpaying to get DeAndre Hopkins because I would have thought a team would have overpaid. I would have thought a team like the Buffalo Bills would have said, man, we're so close to winning a championship. We have to take advantage of this window that we have right now. To hell with it. Let's go get DeAndre Hopkins and let's For go make it a second round happen. pick? Yeah, exactly. For so, but would anybody have thought that was overpaying? No. Like me and you no, thought maybe I, a, I don't even know. If, okay, a first round pick. Hey, we gave up. That might be overpaying. But there's no way me and you would have sat there and said a second round pick is overpaying. 
I don't. I mean, I don't think it's overpaying. Yeah, it's just crazy. I, don't either. Fa- I was just fascinated by this. We talked yesterday about how Jerry Judy and Allen Robinson could be available too. So there's other wide receivers that teams may be able to go get via the trade market, but nobody's as good as he is. No, and I just I wonder if reading between the lines with with Steve's comments a little bit. I want to be careful about doing this because I, I you know, but I, he mentioned you know Hopkins act, acting as his own agent, which he's not anymore. But right. Hopkins also, you know, has a particular way about him. His practice schedule, how often he practices, the, day, the days off during the week. The days off during the week. I mean, that was something that rubbed Bill O'Brien the wrong way when he was in Houston. It never really seemed to be a problem here. Has that in any way put some kind of a damper on his marketplace or his desirability? It seems it like shouldn't. it shouldn't. But, it, it, right. again, we're kind of left to wonder what the hell's taking so long with this, right? Yeah, I mean, results matter. I mean, you know, when results don't matter enough, like, what matters is what he does on Sundays. And if you have to live with the fact that he may not practice on a, on Wednesdays every week to get the results that he delivers on a Sunday, like, okay, that's, you know, now, like, you got to make sure that everybody else on your team doesn't get to do that. You know, I mean, you don't want that precedent being set, and maybe that's a concern. But, man, I like, hey, we're going to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't practice on Wednesdays, but he catches seven balls for 95 yards and a touchdown on Sundays. Live with it. Yeah. <laughs> Live with it. Right. <laughs> you can deal with right, that if you want. Right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, hard to believe, we're already at the turn, the halfway point of Burns and Gambo. The 4 o'clock reset is next here on Arizona Sports.